Chapter 16 of Bull Hunter by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Diablo greeted them with the throwing up of his formidable head. He took his place in the very middle of his corral, but when Bull Hunter and his small guide reached the bars, the black stallion seemed to go suddenly mad. He flung himself into the air and came down bucking. Back and forth across the corral, he threw himself in the wildest swirl of pitching that Bull Hunter had ever seen or ever dreamed of. "'He's an educated bucker, you see,' said the boy in admiration. "'There ain't any trick that he don't know. Look!' Diablo had begun to sunfish in the most approved method, and swirled from this to some fence-rowing, as swift as the jagged course of lightning. At every jump, Bull could see an imaginary rider snapped from the back of the black giant. A cloud of dust was sent swishing up, and in the midst of this fog, Diablo came to a pause as sudden as the beginning of his strange struggle against an imaginary foeman. But it seemed to Bull Hunter that the ground beneath his feet was still quivering from the impacts of that mighty body. That's just his way of telling you what he'll do when you try to saddle him, chuckled the boy. As he spoke, he slipped through the bars of the corral. Look out, exclaimed Bull, in horror, for the stallion had rushed at the small intruder with a gaping mouth. Bull reached for his gun. Diablo was already on the child, but at the last minute he swerved and flashed around Todd in a circle. He's all right, Todd was shrilling through his laughter, for the horrified face of Bull amused him. That's just his way of saying that he's glad to see me. In fact, Diablo came to a sudden halt directly behind the child, his head towering aloft above that of Todd while he flashed his defiance at Bull Hunter, as though he were making use of the small bulwark of Todd against the stranger. Diablo, you old fool, the boy was saying, as he reached up, and managed to wind his fingers in the end of Diablo's mane. You come along and meet my friend, Bull Hunter. I figure you're going to get to know him pretty good before long. Hey, Bull, come up close to the bars, so he can see you ain't got a rope or a whip or spurs, and stick your hand out so he can sniff at it. That's his way of saying howdy do. Bull obeyed, and to his amazement, Diablo responded to the small forward urge of the child's hand and approached the bars one trembling step at a time. Bull began to talk to him softly. He had never talked like this to any living creature. He did not know exactly what he said. The words came of their own accord into his throat. He only knew that he wanted to reassure the big, powerful, uncertain brute and though Diablo stopped short at the first sound of Bull's voice and laid his ears back, he presently pricked one of those ears again and allowed himself to be drawn forward with long, crouching strides. That's the way, said the child softly, as though he feared that a loud voice might break in upon the spell. You know how to talk to him, and outside of me you're the only one that does. I knew you'd have it in you for Diablo, had extended his long neck and actually sniffed the hand of Bull Hunter. He immediately tossed his head aloft, but he did not flinch away. 
That's half the fight won already, advised the boy in the same soft voice. Do you want to try a saddle on him now? The saddle now, exclaimed Bull. I should say not. Why, he don't hardly know me. I'll have to get acquainted before I try anything like that. He discovered that Todd was nodding his hearty approval. You do know, he said. Don't tell me that you ain't been around horses a pile. Yup, you got to get acquainted. What do you want to do now? Bull considered. I'd like to have something to show him that it isn't unpleasant having me around. I'd like to have him see some good results, you know. Is there anything I could feed him? The boy chuckled. Best thing is some dried prunes with the pits taken out of them. I have some at the house. They get stuck in Diablo's teeth, and it's sure funny to see him eat them. But he naturally plumb likes the taste of the prunes. He followed his own suggestion by scampering away to the house and returned almost at once with a hat full of the prunes. You want to feed him these now? First, said Bull, I'd like to have you leave us alone. If I can't teach him to like me all by myself, then I'd better give up right away. The boy looked at him in surprise and then impulsively stretched out his hand. They shook hands gravely. Got the right idea, partner, said Todd. Go ahead and good luck. And keep talking to him all the time. That's the main thing. He retreated accordingly, but before the evening was over, Bull regretted dismissing his little ally so quickly. For although Diablo indulged in no more threatening outbreaks of temper, he resolutely refused to eat the prunes from Bull's hand. Several times he approached the bars of the corral and the patiently extended hand. But always he drew back, snorting, and sometimes he would run around the corral, shaking his head and throwing up his heels after the manner of a horse tempted but still afraid of being overruled. It was long after dark when Bull gave up the attempt. He went back to the bunkhouse, rolled up the blankets which had been assigned to him, and carried them out to the corral. Close to the fence, he laid them down, and a few minutes later he was wrapped in them and sound asleep. The last thing he remembered was the form of the great stallion standing watchfully in the exact middle of the corral, the starlight glimmering very faintly in his big eyes. Bull Hunter fell asleep and had a nightmare of the arrival of the famous Hal Dunbar the next day, a fierce conquest of Diablo, and the battle ending with the departure of Dunbar on the back of the stallion. The dream waked him, nervous, and he turned and saw Diablo standing huge and formidable in the darkness, as though he had not moved from his first position. In the morning the arduous labors of the building began again, and though the prodigious appetite of Bull at the breakfast table made even old Birdwell look askance, Bull had not been at work an hour, handling the ponderous uprights and joists, before his employer was smiling to himself. His new hand was certainly worth his keep, and more, for weariness seemed a stranger to that big body, and no weight was too great to be cheerily assumed. And always he worked with a sort of nervous anxiety, as though he feared he might not be doing enough. During the day, Bridewell attempted to probe the past history of his hired man, expecting a story 
as big as the body of the man. But Bull was discreetly vague, for he had no wish to reveal his connection with Pete Reeve. And if he left out Reeve, he felt that there was nothing in his life worth talking about. Many a time he wondered what the little gunfighter was doing and what trail he was riding now. A dangerous trail he doubted not, and a lawless trail he greatly feared. But some day he might be able to find the terrible little man and bring him back to a truer place in society. That night he began again the long, quiet struggle with Diablo, and before he ended, Diablo had gathered some of the dried fruit from the palm of his hand with a sensitive, trembling pair of lips. And he had come back for more and more. Yet it was not until the next night that Bull ventured inside the bars of the corral and sat cross-legged on the ground, with a vague feeling that Diablo would be less alarmed if his visitor bulked less large. Inside the bars, he seemed an entirely new proposition to the stallion. The big black kept discreetly on the far side of the corral with much snorting and stamping, and it was not until the next evening that he ventured to approach the man. Still another day passed before Bull was allowed to stand and touch the neck of the black, and that, it seemed to him, was the greatest forward step toward the conquest. It was terribly slow work, and in the meantime, the skeleton frame of the barn was fast rising. Would he accomplish his purpose by the time the barn was completed and Bridewell no longer had a use for him? Or would Hal Dunbar arrive before that appointed time? That night, however, another portentous event happened. Waking in the night, Bull heard a sound of deep, regular breathing close to him, and turning on his side, he saw that Diablo had laid down as close to him as the corral fence would allow, and there he slept, panther black, sleek in the starlight. Bull stretched out his hand. The head of the stallion jerked up, but a moment later he carelessly sniffed the extended fingers and resumed his position of repose. And the heart of Bull Hunter swelled with triumph. That event gave him a new idea, and the following evening he made a groundwork of branches in the corner of the corral itself and put down his blankets on the evergreens. Diablo was much concerned and walked about examining the new work from every angle. There Bull slept, and the next night he found that during the day the stallion had torn the boughs to pieces and scattered them about. He patiently laid a new foundation, and after this the bed was left strictly alone. In the meantime, Bull had made a light, strong halter of rawhide, and after several attempts he managed to slip it onto the head of Diablo. Once in place, it was easy to teach Diablo that he must follow when he felt a pull on the halter. The first steps were rewarded with dried prunes, and after that it was simple. On that evening also, Bull made his next step forward toward the most difficult proposition of all. He took a partly filled barley sack and put it on the back of Diablo. The next moment the sack was shot into the air, as Diablo leaped up and arched his back like a cat at the height of his leap. He came down trembling and snorting, but Bull picked up the fallen sack and allowed him to smell it. Diablo found that the smell was good, 
and that the hateful sack even contained things very good to eat. The next time the sack was put on his back, he quivered and shrank, but he did not buck it off. After that, Bull spent his evenings in gradually increasing the weight of that sack until a full hundred pounds caused Diablo no worry whatever. And when this point had been attained, Bull decided that he might venture his own bulk on the back of Diablo. He confided his purpose to Todd, and the boy, greatly excited, hid himself at a distance to watch. In the beginning it was deceptively easy. Diablo stood perfectly unconcerned as Bull raised himself on the bars of the fence, and when the long legs of Bull were passed over his back, Diablo merely turned his head and sniffed the shoe tentatively, slowly, very softly, steadying himself on the top bar of the fence, Bull lowered his weight more and more until the whole burden was on the back of the stallion, and then he took his hands from the top rail. But the moment he released that grip, there was a change in Diablo, as though he realized that the man had suddenly trusted himself entirely to his mount. Bull felt a sudden wincing of all that great body. The quarter sank and trembled. He thought at first that it was because the horse was failing under the weight of his ponderous burden. But instinct told him a moment later that it was fear and a mixture of suspicious anger. Diablo took one of his long, cat-like steps and paused without bringing up his other foot. In vain, Bull spoke to him softly, steadily. Diablo took another step, quickened to a soft trot, and stopped suddenly. That weight on his back failed to leave him. He began to tremble violently. Bull felt the sudden thundering of the great heart beneath the pressure of his knee. To the stallion, this man had been a friend, a constant companion. The touch of his hand was pleasant. Pleasanter still was the continual deep murmur of the voice, reassuring, telling him of a superior and guardian mind looking out for his interests. Now that hand was stroking his sleek neck, and that voice was steadily in his ear. But the position was the most hated one. To be sure, there was no saddle, no cutting, binding cinch, no drag of cruel Spanish curb to control his head, no tearing spurs to threaten him. But his flanks twitched where the spurs had dug in many a time, and he panted, remembering the cinches. Those memories built up a panic. He became unsure. The voice reached him less distinctly. Moreover, it was a strange time of the evening. The light of day was nearly done, the moon was barely up, and all things were ghostly and unreal in that slant light. Something of all that that went through the mind of Diablo was understood by Bull Hunter. It was telegraphed to him by the twitching and vibration of great muscles, by the stiff arching of the neck, and the snorting breathing. But he was beginning to forget fear. The stallion danced lightly forward, and as the wind struck the face of Bull Hunter, he suddenly rejoiced. This was what he had dreamed of, to be carried thus lightly, easily. The weight that had crushed other horses was nothing to Diablo. It made him feel buoyant. He became tinglingly alert. On the back of Diablo, not a horse of the mountains could overtake him if he fled, 
and not a man of the mountains could escape him if he pursued on the back of the stallion. That thought had hardly formed in his excited mind when Diablo sprang, cat-footed, to one side. It made Bull Hunter sway, and he naturally sought to preserve his balance by gripping the powerful barrel of the horse with his knees. But at the first touch of the knee, Diablo went suddenly mad. Exactly what he did, Bull Hunter never knew. Indeed, it seemed that Diablo left his feet, shot a dizzy height into the air, and at the crest of his rising did three or four things at once. At any rate, as the stallion landed, Bull pitched from the arched back and hurled forward and to the right side. He landed heavily against the ground, his head striking a small rock, and he lay there a moment stunned. Far off he heard Todd shrilling at him. Bull, are you hurt? He gathered himself together and arose. I'm all right. Stay where you are. Don't try him again. He'll kill you, Bull. Maybe, but I'm going to try. Diablo stood on the far side of the corral in the moonlight, a splendid figure with haughty tail and head. Inwardly, he was trembling, enraged. He knew what would come. He had thrown men before, and usually he had tried to batter them to pieces after they fell. This man he had no desire to batter. There was no saddle, no bridle, no spurs, no quirt. Nevertheless, he must not be controlled by the hand of any man. But having thrown the fellow, now other men would run on him, swinging the accursed ropes over their heads, shouting, cursing at him in strident voices. Vitally he yearned to break through the bars of the corral and flee. But the bars were there, and he must stay in the enclosure, with his friendly enemy. It was not the prostrate man he feared so much as vengeance from other men, for that had always been the way. But no one came. No shouts were heard, except from the small, thin, familiar voice of Todd. And presently the giant arose from the ground where he had fallen and came toward him. Diablo flattened his ears expectantly. At the first throat-tearing curse he would charge, but no curse came. The man approached, as always, with extended hand, and the voice was that smooth, gentle murmur that carries peace into the shadowy mind of a horse. Something relaxed in Diablo. If the man did not resent being thrown off, if this were sort of a game, as it were, why should he, Diablo, resent having the man on his back? The hand touched his nose gently. Another hand was stroking his neck. Presently he was led to the fence, and again that heavy weight slid onto his back. He crouched again, with waves of blind panic surging up in him. But the panic did not master his sense this time, and as his brain cleared, he began to discover that there was no urging, no will of another imposed upon him. He could walk where he pleased, following his own sweet will, or else he could stand still, it made no difference, but the soft touching hand and the deep quiet voice were reassuring him that the man was glad to be up there on his back. Diablo turned his head. One ear quivered and came forward tentatively. Then the other. He had accepted Bull Hunter. Afterward, Bull found Todd. The boy wrung his hand ecstatically. That's what I call game, he said. 
Why, Todd, the big man smiled, you did the same thing. He knew I was nothing, but you're a growed man. But what's this, Bull? Your back's all wet. It's nothing much, said Bull calmly. When I fell, my head hit a stone. There's some things worth paying for, and Diablo's one of them. End of chapter 16